0: Let's turn to Luke chapter 5 this morning. This past week, uh, actually last week, uh, I spoke at a Pastors and Leaders Conference in Appleton, Wisconsin. It was called the Great Lakes Pastors and Leaders Conference, and uh, it's been a joy to be a part of that now for the last few years. And I uh, sensed that there was a a need to share with you what I shared then at this conference. The uh, conference itself was on the life of the Apostle Peter. And uh, this particular passage has been a very special passage for me personally. Luke 5 verses 1 through 11 as are certain other passages that um, uh, I have uh, actually embraced very much about Peter's life and how it's ministered really to my own heart. So let's get right into it. I've entitled this from something that Jesus himself said to Peter, launch out into the deep. And so may we launch out into the deep this morning with the Lord. Verse 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, upon Jesus, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, that being, of course, the lake uh, that we call the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, and saw two ships standing by the lake, But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, that being, of course, Peter, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft a draft being a catch or a, um, a draw, a draw of fish. Let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude, a fish, and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. Fear not, from henceforth, let me go back just a second. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. When I consider the life of the apostle Peter, I'm always drawn to two incidents in scripture, both of which take place on the Sea of Galilee, both involving Jesus and Peter personally. One incident occurred when Peter actually walked out to Jesus on the boisterous stormy waters at the Lord's bidding. The second incident is recorded in this text today. You know, it doesn't matter how often we're given the privilege of being in the whole land of Israel when the opportunity arises, and we've been there a number, a number of times, but, but I can never wait to get on a boat uh, on a boat in the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Gennesaret and drawing away from the pier and heading out to deeper waters. Recall Simon Peter crying out to Jesus, Lord, save me. After walking on the water to Jesus, and as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was fine. But as soon as he put his eyes on the storm, he began to sink. And at that moment he cried, Lord, save me. But as we head out into the waters of the the Galilee, I especially recall Simon's response to Jesus' command and promise. The command being, launch out into the deep. The promise being, let down your nets for a catch. But his response, Simon's response, is what I recall. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. O LORD. Both occurrences have spoken to me countless times, when considering or experiencing the deep pains of the occasional lapses of faith that I've had over the many years of walking with the Lord, even to the point of wondering whether to cry out to Jesus, Lord, save me, or say to him, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O LORD. Now, I don't think I'll be the only one in this room today to say that at some point in my life as a believer, I've identified with the Apostle Peter more than I'd like to admit. But Peter is, if I may say, the Apostle that we most identify with. But I wonder sometimes if we identify with him for any or all the right reasons. You see, let me explain. I mean, I'd like to say that I identify with Peter as a fisherman, but that would be an awful stretch. Now, think about me t- telling the people up in Wisconsin this, because they live in a land of lakes everywhere. There's water everywhere over there. I'm over here talking to them. They're all fisher, fishermen. I come from the, I come from the desert. I tell them, you all live in the land of thousands and thousands of lakes. We live in the land of 10,000 sandboxes here. But we do have the real grand. It's not so grand anymore, but we catch fish there sometimes. But to identify with Peter as a fisherman, I mean, that's, that's really tough because you see, Peter, Peter was, a, was a career fisherman. He fished for a living. We fish for recreation. We get a rod and a reel at, you know, wherever it is that we buy it, and we throw a line in, one line with, you know, with a a worm or something, and we hope to catch something. Peter fished with a net, a big net. They'd drag a lot of fish in. But then again, Peter would at times go out at night and throw out the nets, and there would be nothing to catch. They'd come in empty handed. We go out fishing, we get empty handed, we go to Walmart. Then we go look at the fish, you know, and the fish in, the, in the, 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 you know, there at the supermarket and, you know, if we find one wrapped up real nice in plastic and we come home and say, look, I got this. It's hard, it's hard to identify with Peter as a fisherman. I'd like to say that I identify with Peter as a fisher of men, being that I, I, as well as I'm sure you do, want to see people, especially now in these last days, come to Jesus and to receive him as their Lord and Savior. I mean, I hope that, that all of us want to be fishers of men. In fact, that's what we're all called to do if we're disciples of Jesus. But when we consider this identification with Peter, many, you know, many have diagnosed Peter as, as having foot and mouth disease. And hence, some would claim that as an identifiable trait. Being impetuous, though, hot-headed, quick to the draw, rash or unthinking, may be a harsher criticism aimed toward this disciple that, by the way, is always mentioned first in most passages that list the 12 in the Gospels than he's worthy of. But I would very much want to identify with this apostle, who would later write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit these humble and humbling words at the onset of his first letter to the church. For in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9, Peter, this big fisherman, writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be. You are in heaviness through manifold temptations, but the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now get what he says here. He says, whom having not seen, you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now remember that Peter saw Jesus. Peter loved Jesus. Peter was with Jesus. Peter touched Jesus. He listened to Jesus. But he's telling the church... Blessed are you according to his mercy that you receive this new life that is touched by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Peter was there. Peter saw the risen Christ, but he spoke with such a humble heart to the church. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though now you see him not, you believe. Yet believing, he said, you rejoice. So consider Peter as he's saying these things to the church and look back at his life and realize that Peter saw the Lord, Peter loved the Lord, but had he yet believed in the Lord? Had he yet believed? THIS ACCOUNT IN LUKE 5 CAN BE APPROACHED GENERALLY AS WELL AS SPECIFICALLY. WE CAN FOCUS ON THE CALLING OF AT LEAST FOUR OF THE DISCIPLES HERE IN THIS PASSAGE. WE CAN FOCUS ON THE CALLING OF BEING FISHERS OF MEN. OR WE CAN NARROW OUR FOCAL POINT ON PETER HIMSELF IN THE COURSE OF THE MIRACLE THAT JESUS PERFORMS BASED ON THAT COMMAND AND PROMISE OF HIS IN RELATION TO PETER. This is an account of a great catch of fish, but the greater catch was accomplished by the master fisherman upon the heart of Peter. In other words, there was only one master fisherman in the boat that day, and his name was Jesus. And getting back to our text, in verse 1 it says, And it came to pass... That as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Now just think about that for a moment. They pressed upon him to hear God's word. That's significant here in our study of Peter. In just a moment, we'll see. They pressed to hear the word of God. The fame of Jesus had spread and spread like wildfire. In the region of the Galilee, from Nazareth to Capernaum, as we, if we read in chapter four of the accounts there, it said, He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. From here on, I'm going to call him Shimon, because that's his Hebrew name. And there's a reason for that. He entered into one of the ships, which was Shimon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out from, a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. There were some good practical reasons for that, by the way. Sitting down in the ship as he pushed out a, a ways brought about a better amplification system for the people because there were so many people that were pressing in around him. And just the water itself, as, as he spoke, uh, could project his voice throughout the whole crowd that was there. This is the reason why so, so many thousands of people could hear Jesus at one time. So this particular event, though, in chapter 5 of Luke, is not the same as those described in Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1. And we need to go there because it's important for us to see what's happening in the life of Peter. MATTHEW, CHAPTER 4, VERSE 18, VERSES 18-22, through 22, AND JESUS WALKING BY THE SEA OF GALILEE. ALREADY WE SEE SOMETHING DIFFERENT. JESUS IS NOT STANDING THERE BEING PRESSED UPON THE WATER. HE'S WALKING BY THE SEA. AND HE SAW TWO BRETHREN, SIMON, OR SHIMON, CALLED PETER AND ANDREW, HIS BROTHER, CASTING A NET INTO THE SEA. THAT'S DIFFERENT BECAUSE THEY WERE ACTUALLY WASHING AND MENDING THE NETS IN LUKE CHAPTER 5. FOR THEY WERE FISHERS. THAT STAYS THE SAME. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets. Now let me explain. Straightway, of course, is an English word for meaning uh, meaning immediately. They immediately left their nets. But the word left there is the same word that you'll see later on as another word. But in the Greek, it is the same word that means to forsake. They forsook their nets. And they followed Jesus. Verse 21. And going on from thence, He saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. Now they were mending their nets. And he called to them and they immediately left, again the same word, forsook the ship and their father and followed him. Now don't put a lot of weight upon the word forsake yet. Mark chapter 1 verses 16 through 20. It says, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Shimon and, and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets. And there's the word literally as forsay. Same word in the Greek. They forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further then, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets, and straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him, went after Jesus. So obviously from these and other passages, the disciples were not only called once, but they were actually called a few times. And there was some progression here. There was, it was done progressively, as it were, revealing several stages of commitment. But if you look back at the time that you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that was pretty much the way it was for us as well. There was an initial call. There was an initial initial, uh, belief in, uh, in our part. There was an initial forsaking of certain things in our part, but not in a complete sense. Our calling to the Lord took certain stages before there was a full commitment. Now just keep that in mind. I mention this because Simon, or Shimon, had seen, heard, and been with Jesus a few times before Luke chapter 5. You look at John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. And this is very key here because this is really the initial time, the first time, that we find Andrew and Shimon knowing about Jesus. Again, the next day, after John stood, and two of his disciples and looking upon... And by the way, that John is John the Baptist. Again, the next day, after John the Baptist stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, be interpreted Master. Where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Now one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Shimon, Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Shimon, and saith unto him, We have found the Mashiach. We have found the Messiah. Which has been interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. He brought Shimon to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Shimon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Kephas. In the Hebrew, it is by interpretation, a stone. He called him, Thou art. Shimon. The word Shimon or the name Shimon comes from the root word Shema. And if you've ever seen one of our baby dedications, I oftentimes read Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 because that is that passage is called Shema Israel. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Shema means hear, O Israel. Hear intently. Hear what I have to say. And he names him Kephas, but he calls him Shimon. And time and time again through the scriptures, we find that he is oftentimes called Simon or Shimon. Hear intently. That's what his name means. It is clear from the passages now, getting back to our study, that Peter, Andrew, James, and John had followed Jesus after the initial call, but they didn't follow him in a way that can be considered complete or unconditionally. Because while the nets may have been left for a while, that's why I said don't put a whole lot of stock on left or forsake, while they might have been left for a while, they were easy to return to, as we see in Luke chapter 5. Because here we see a large pressing crowd had gathered in what appears to be the early part of the day in Luke chapter 5, surrounding Jesus, eager to hear the word of God. You know, I look at you all here today and I see all these eager faces just here waiting to hear the word of God. That's what we're doing. Right? We're all eager. (laughs) Come on, that's not eager. Okay. Oh, that's all right. Eager to hear the word of God. I mean, after all that took place in Luke chapter 4, it's no wonder that word had spread throughout the region of all that Jesus did, which even included, by the way, in Luke chapter 4, going to Peter's house to bring healing to his mother-in-law, who was very sick. So think about all of that. THE BEGINNING OF CHAPTER 4 DEALING WITH JESUS GOING INTO THE SYNAGOGUE IN Nazareth AND, 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 and READING THE SCRIPTURES and, 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 AND POINTING THOSE SCRIPTURES TO HIMSELF AS ONE WHO HAS COME TO HEAL THE BROKENHEARTED AND SO ON AND SO FORTH. AND, and THE PEOPLE SAY, isn't, ISN'T THIS JOSEPH'S SON? YOU KNOW, THE CARPENTER? YOU KNOW, WHAT IS HE DOING HERE, ACTING AS IF HE'S SOME KIND OF GREAT RABBI? WELL, LONG, long STORY SHORT, THEY WANT TO TAKE HIM AND THROW HIM OFF OF A CLIFF. BUT HE GETS AWAY. And he ends up in Capernaum, which was Peter's house, uh, home city. And he ends up in Capernaum at the, at, the, uh, at the synagogue there. And there in the synagogue, again, he reads the scriptures and, and heals a man that is demon-possessed. And then throughout the day, he begins to heal a lot of people, and they keep bringing people to him, and they, you know, words begin to spread. And even into the night, people are coming and bringing to Peter's home, all these people, and Jesus is healing them. You don't think word's going to spread? That by that next day, where's Peter? And where's Andrew? And where's John? And where's James? They went out fishing. That was their livelihood. They were back in Capernaum. They had their boats there. They went out to fish. But what happened? You see, we could probably say right now, what's wrong with this picture? Crowds pressing in, Jesus is up against the sea. But his prospective disciples are further away, washing their nets, mending their nets after a fruitless and unproductive night fishing. Now, we can probably give him credit for having listened, to what Jesus was saying when he got onto the boat and began to preach to the people and and proclaim the Word of God. They may have been listening, but but they weren't captivated yet because they're still doing their busy work. But Jesus just didn't happen to be there. Folks, Jesus just doesn't happen to be anywhere. He's always where he is with a purpose. He's always where he is with a plan. And the purpose was to get into Peter's boat, into Shimon's boat. And it was to get him to launch out into the deep. And you think about the shallows and the deeps of life. When you think of the kind of fishing that is taking place in the the Sea of Galilee at at the time of Peter, they would launch out a little bit out into the, you know, the, the fish would actually come at night closer to the shore. THAT'S WHY THEY COULD DRAG IN A LOT OF FISH AT TIMES. CERTAINLY THERE WOULD BE DAYS WHEN THEY WOULDN'T COME FOR WHATEVER REASON. BUT THEY WOULDN'T REALLY GO LAUNCHING OUT INTO THE DEEP <clears throat> BECAUSE THE DEEP IS WHERE THE FISH WOULD END UP IN THE DAYTIME. THE SUN WAS OUT, THEY DIDN'T LIKE THE SUN, THEY WOULD GO OUT FINDING PLACES IN THE DEEP TO, to KIND OF STAY UNTIL IT WAS NIGHT, THEN THE FISH WOULD COME IN A LITTLE CLOSER. THAT'S WHY THEY WOULD CATCH THEM IN, the sh- in, in MORE OF THE SHALLOWS. WELL, THAT'S SMART, I GUESS. SO YOU KEEP THAT IN MIND IN THE FACT THAT JESUS GETS INTO PETER'S BOAT AND IT WASN'T A MERE happenstance THAT THE BOAT THAT JESUS GOT INTO BELONGED TO THIS CAREER FISHERMAN. JESUS GOT IN ON PURPOSE. JESUS KNEW HIS HEART. HE KNEW THE HEART OF THAT PERSON NAMED SHIMON THAT HE CALLED KEPHAS AS HE KNOWS THE HEART OF EACH AND EVERY ONE OF THOSE DISCIPLES THAT WOULD BECOME HIS DISCIPLES AND AS HE EVEN KNOWS OUR OWN HEARTS IN THIS PLACE TODAY. And it was time now for that great catch of fish, the hooking that wouldn't let go. Now Jesus is going out to hook himself some disciples. And those disciples weren't going to get away. Peter and the other fishermen would become fishers of men. In verse 4 now going on, it says, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answered, and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. I mean, they had just washed those nets. They had just mended their nets. And now uh, you know, Peter says, Lord, do you want us to go out there? But, okay, let's go. And he launches out in the deep. Just drops that net deeper than where it's ever been probably. And notice what happens. They catch so many fish that they have to beckon. In verse 7, they beckoned unto their partners. Beckon here literally means that they were, they were doing all kinds of things to get their partner's attention. They were probably so far that they, just calling out to them might not, have, might not have worked. It probably worked a little bit. But it was with all kinds of gestures to try to get them to get out there because their ship was going to sink because of all the fish that they had just caught. They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, being John and James, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Both ships. Both ships. SO LET'S GO BACK TO WHAT JESUS SAID. LAUNCH OUT INTO THE DEEP AND DROP YOUR NETS FOR A DRAFT. THIS WAS NO, BY THE WAY, THIS WAS NO SUGGESTION THAT JESUS WAS MAKING. HE WAS NOT ASKING uh, PETER, YOU KNOW, TO DO THAT. COULD YOU, could you KIND OF GO OUT A LITTLE BIT? I MEAN, YOU KNOW, IF YOU WANT TO. IF YOU DON'T WANT TO, IT'S OKAY. NO, HE'S NOT DOING THAT. HE'S NOT MAKING A SUGGESTION. HE'S NOT SAYING, LET'S, let's GO. YOU KNOW, JESUS ISN'T SITTING THERE SAYING, LOOK, I JUST FINISHED PREACHING. I'M A LITTLE TIRED. BUT YOU KNOW WHAT, We're ON A BOAT, LET'S GO fishing. That's not what Jesus did. He was very specific. He said, launch out into the deep. That's a command. By the way, Jesus commanded, didn't suggest. And by the way, God does that the same way because back, if you go back to the book of Exodus, you know, they, uh, Moses didn't receive the 10 suggestions. He received the 10 commandments. You got, you got the picture here? So he commanded him. THE ISSUES ARE WAY TOO SERIOUS FOR SUGGESTIONS. HE COMMANDED SIMON PETER WITH THE AUTHORITY ONLY THE MESSIAH COULD USE TO LAUNCH OUT INTO THE DEEP AND DROP THEIR NETS FOR A CATCH. THAT'S THE PROMISE. THE PROMISE WAS, YOU'RE GOING TO GET A CATCH. JESUS NEVER SAID, LET'S DROP THE NET AND SEE WHAT HAPPENS. HOW MANY OF US LIVE OUR LIVES LIKE THAT? Well, LET'S JUST DROP THE NET AND SEE WHAT HAPPENS WITH THE LORD. That's laughable if it wasn't so sad to think that the Lord wants us to trust him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love him, to believe in him, to depend upon him, and we say, well, let's see what happens. The promise was that there would be a catch of fish. In fact, a great multitude of fish. And this would certainly be a humbling experience for Peter having Jesus commanded him to, you know, command him to put out to the deep, to drop nets that had just been cleaned and mended. But then to think, Jesus is a carpenter, I'm the fisherman here. But I want you to consider that there are times in our lives that things the Lord puts before us don't make sense practically. Have you ever discovered that? The Lord wants you to do something that just doesn't make sense. But you know it's the Lord. you got that, you, you, you read it, you know, you, you, he confirms it in his word. The Lord speaks to your heart, and, and, and he says to do something, and, and, and you say, that's all you can say? <laughs> AND THEN ADD TO THAT SOMETHING ELSE. ADD TO THAT ANY PHYSICAL EXHAUSTION OR EMOTIONAL DISAPPOINTMENTS THAT MAY BE DOGGING US. JUST LIKE PETER. OH, LORD, WE TOILED ALL THE NIGHT. WE HAVEN'T slept A WINK. (sighs) AND WE DIDN'T CATCH ANYTHING. YOU KNOW, we, we, WE MAY EVEN FEEL THAT AN OBJECTION to the impracticality of a command of the Lord will be taken into consideration. Some have thought that that's what Peter did here. Well, we've toiled all the night, we took nothing. Maybe Jesus will reconsider, right? You think Jesus might, might have just overstepped his bounds a little bit to say, well, you know, watch out and the deep. Well, Lord, we haven't caught anything. Oh, we, we, you didn't? Oh. Well, okay. Um, Well, let's let's do it another time. That's not Jesus. And that's not what he does here. But I wonder, was Peter really objecting? Let me give you a quick, quick illustration because this happened this past week on Friday. Actually, it was Thursday. The conference in, in, in Appleton started on Thursday and I was to be the second speaker and that was, that was fitting pretty good in my mind because, uh, because most of this is the historical part of what Peter, Peter's life was all about, his calling. It's early on in the, in the conference. Later on, people got a little heavier into the, the writings of Peter and, and, and deeper into other issues. So I thought, yeah, starting out, being the second speaker, you know, we'll cover all the, all the, the, the historical parts of, of Peter's life, whatever. It sounded good to me, right? So Thursday morning, as I'm getting ready for the conference, I get, I get this call, you know, that says... Uh, uh, from, from uh, Pastor Dwight, who is the pastor of Appleton, uh, Calvary Chapel Appleton. He said, uh, I'd like to ask you if you, if you could uh, switch uh, places with uh, uh, Pastor Bastia, who's a pastor in, in Haiti and he, uh, he was gonna teach on Friday, but he had a real bad infection and uh, in his, uh, he, had, had some, he needed some oral surgery. And the only day that the, the, the doctor could see him would be on Friday. So he said could you switch with him? And I thought, okay. So I I'm, I'm there, you know, I got shaving cream on my face, you know, that that kind of stuff, you know. No idea well, I don't know if I did. I, I might have, I can't remember. But you know, I'm on the phone and, and I said, well, you know, I you know, I'm I'm teaching this thing on Luke chapter 5, and, you know, the life of Peter, and Peter's in the ship and all that and all that stuff, you know, and and uh, it, and, 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 but I wasn't expecting for him to say, you know, well, okay, why don't you stay? I'll get somebody else to change. No, he, he says, no, I need you to change. And I said, okay, my objection is not going to work. Okay, that's fine. Let's do it. I'll teach tomorrow. Okay. And it worked out perfectly. It worked out perfectly. Why? Because God's in control of it. My practicality was, was not important. God's word and God's work through the pastors that he called, put us all in the right place at the right time. That's the Holy Spirit, folks. It's not us. We don't do that kind of stuff. Okay, I've, I've taken a couple more minutes than I need to because we, we got to get to the communion table here pretty quick. But, but, but do you get then the understanding then of what's happening here? Was he really being reluctant to obey Jesus? Was he offering an objection because he was the master fisherman and Jesus was the carpenter? I want you to consider something, how quickly the enemy of our souls moves upon our minds and upon our experiences and even our bodies to object to the Lord's best for our lives. And what Jesus was doing with Peter was preparing him for giving him the best of his life. The best of God's life in Peter. In, IN THAT uh, SUPPOSED OBJECTION, AS IT WERE. HE CALLS JESUS MASTER. It, it, uh, but LUKE USES THIS WORD ALONE uh, OUT OF THE GOSPEL WRITERS, the, THE WORD IN THE GREEK, EPISTATA, WHEREAS uh, BEFORE WHEN WE READ IN JOHN ABOUT THEM CALLING HIM RABBI, THAT WAS THE HEBREW WORD. THIS IS, the, this is the, THE GENTILE WORD FOR A MASTER. EPISTATA, A WORD ONLY THAT LUKE USES TO DENOTE THE LORD, WAS A FAMILIAR BUT AUTHORITATIVE TEACHER OR EVEN A COMMANDER. He knew there was something special about Jesus, but how quickly that would change after the catch of fish from Master to Lord. Kurios, Lord, a term to be used only for God. Peter humbly surrendered to Jesus' command. He said, nevertheless, at thy word, all this shows us is how human Peter is, just like us. That we sometimes have to think through some of those little issues, you know, that, that when, when God begins to speak to our hearts and we begin to say, you know, I, oh, okay. We, you know, we just have that little hiccup, that little burp, you know, whatever. That's all I'm going to tell you. Hiccups or burps? You know, when trying to think through something that God is putting into our minds and into our hearts, The best thing to do is obey him and to say, nevertheless, at thy word, not my word or anybody else's word, at thy word. And so what happened? He obeyed Jesus. And what came forth was this multitude of fish, the fulfillment of Jesus' promise. But in Peter, certainly there had to have been this this remembrance of of some words of Jesus, uh, or I should say some words of of Jesus' mother, Mary, at a a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. Because that was early on too, and the disciples are actually with Jesus at that time. And when they needed the wine and all of that, that, Mary actually says to the servants in John 2, verse 5, Whatsoever he saith unto you do it. And Peter may have just remembered that. Wow, you know, Jesus told me to do this, and, and, you know, we told all that we didn't, but Mary said, whatever he says, do it. So, nevertheless, at thy word. You know, it's been said, and and we need to come back to the purpose of, of why Jesus was there, but it has been said that when the Lord is about to fashion a vessel of honor, fit for his use, he must establish absolute authority and the right to command. There can be no argument, there can be no hesitancy, and there can be no holding back. Spirit, soul, and body must be absolutely surrendered to him at whatever cost that is to us. If it costs us something, that's okay. Why? Because God wants to bless you. Jesus wants to bless you. The disciple must leave all and follow him. No longer living their time to the will of the flesh, but to the will of God. That's not saying, listen, you have to leave your homes and your families and all of that. That's saying surrender to Christ Jesus and listen to what he says and whatever he says, do because he will be with you. He won't leave you. He was with Peter when Peter obeyed him. And he blessed him for his obedience. Think of the words of Paul in Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. Jesus surrendered. He humbled himself. almost at the moment of Peter's obedience to Jesus, the fishermen, Peter and probably Andrew, began to haul in that great multitude of fish, so much so that they called out to the other fishermen, James and John, to help them with the catch, which happened to be breaking their nets and causing the boats to sink. That would have been the fish story of a lifetime. And you fishermen know what I'm talking about. We all have our fish stories. What began here is out here, right? I caught a fish, I I, I caught a fish uh, about this big. That's the fish story. For this would have been the fish story of a lifetime for Peter, except for one thing. When this happens, he falls at Jesus' knees, and he said those words, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, I thought about that. I thought about it for what seemed hours of that picture of falling at Jesus' knees. I thought about it because I kept thinking, if I fell at somebody's knees because they have humbled me, I'm not just falling at his knees. I'm falling at his knees and holding on to him. It doesn't say that Peter did that. But I've heard other people say that he fell prostrate before Jesus. But that's not what the text says. It says he fell at his knees. And I only know one response to that, and that's taking hold of Jesus. Yet, he takes hold if he does. Because I couldn't fall down on my knees without taking hold of Jesus. My knees are terrible anyway. But I would take hold of Jesus. But whatever Peter did, he did this one thing. What what seems by falling at the feet, at the knees of Jesus, he still says, Depart from me. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Oh, Lord. He said this because he was astonished at the draw of fish that they had taken. And he wasn't alone. James and John partnered with Peter and Andrew, but in what now? Jesus had the answer. Look at verse 8 once again. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at now all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John and the sons of Zebedee. So obviously there were even others there, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Notice he says to, directly to Shimon, to the one who is to hear intently, Shimon, fear not. From henceforth, thou shalt catch men. And by the way, the word for catch here, a tremendous Greek word. It means to take them alive. Take them alive. This, this, this is, is not a catch and release. <laughs> This is take them, but take them alive. Take them captive to Jesus Christ. Take them captive for the kingdom of God. That's being a fisher of men. And when they had brought, now now here's, here's the result. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all. Not just daddy, not just the servants, not just the nets, not just the boats. As if to say, well, we'll forsake it for now, but we can come back. No, this literally means they forsook all and followed him for three and a half years. It would be fair to say that on that day, Peter had listened intently to the Lord's teaching and pondered the depth of Christ's piercing power through his word and the conviction of sin that set in. But what set that conviction? It was what Jesus did. Because what he did revealed who he was. He was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He was God the Son. And then the miracle proving Jesus' superhuman power and knowledge caused Peter's recognition of the divine that elevated his own exceeding sinfulness. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Which one of us in this room is not a sinful person? The question is, have we recognized that Jesus is God. We've We've been given other examples. Let me give you two. The prophet Isaiah, who was given a vision of God and his heavenly throne room. He saw the Lord high and lifted up in the train of his majesty, fill the temple. What would your response be to that? Isaiah had a response. In Isaiah 6, verse 5, he says, Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I've seen him in this vision, and, and, and all it does is wipe me out. And then there's Job, the blameless and righteous man who really loved God, served God, but questioned God. Yet God reveals himself to Job, and Job can only respond in this manner. Job 42, verses 5 and 6, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now, for the first time, Peter recognizes Jesus as God manifest in the flesh, and he becomes a broken man, May I tell you that brokenness is not a bad thing? In the Christian life, brokenness is not a bad thing. In fact, after a tremendous fall of sin and into sin, the psalmist King David would write about that brokenness in Psalm 51. And, and what he says, I, and, and, and I want to be clear so that I can make you see the importance of what he says. He says in verse 17 of Psalm 51, it won't be up here, but most of you, under, most of you know it. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, thou wilt not despise. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Peter was a broken man. TO BE IN THE PRESENCE OF ALMIGHTY GOD, THE CREATOR OF THE HEAVEN AND THE EARTH, BROUGHT OUT THE HEART OF HUMILITY IN PETER. AND and BECAUSE WHAT WE SEE IN THE TEXT IS THERE IS NO DECLARING OF HIS OWN GOODNESS OR HIS OWN WORTH. HE RECOGNIZED JESUS AS MORE THAN JUST A TEACHER, MORE THAN JUST A RABBI, MORE THAN JUST a, A MASTER. HE NOW CALLS HIM LORD. I WANT YOU TO FAST FORWARD ABOUT THREE YEARS. THE LORD JESUS CHRIST IS RISEN FROM THE DEAD. And before he ascends into heaven, he's by the shore of the Sea of Galilee again. And in John chapter twenty-one, let me read verses one through seven. It says, "After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. This is how he showed himself to them. Because what did they do after the after the death of Jesus Christ, and even after the resurrection? They they, they went back to fishing." They went back to their boats and they went back to their nets and they went back to their sea. So that's where Jesus goes, to the Sea of Tiberias. And there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus. The first two people that are mentioned, the, the denier and the doubter. And Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee. John and James, and two other of his disciples. So that tells us there were more, there were more fishermen in the disciples' group than, than just the four. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. <laughs> and they went forth, entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Does that sound familiar? They went out and they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? Did you you catch anything? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find... Now notice they just cast. They cast, therefore. I don't know with what attitude they might have cast, but they cast the net anyway. They cast the net, and now they were now not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Do you think that might have awaken somebody up? Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. And now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he, he girded his fisher's coat onto him, for he was naked, and, and, which means that's how they fished in those days. And he, and he did cast himself into the sea. He jumped, jumped into the sea so he could swim out to Jesus or toward Jesus. So here's the thing. One great lesson that Peter learned in his life After having said to Jesus, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. One great lesson that Peter learned in his life was that the best place for a sinful person was as close to Jesus Christ as ever he could get. Not away from him. Not telling the Lord to depart. But the closest that we are to be is where the best place is for us. That's where Jesus wants us to be close to Him. In fact, James, in his letter, said, draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. Isn't that a wonderful God that we have? There's another lesson then, and we'll close with this. Come to the table of communion this morning. The lesson is from this passage that we've read and studied today is to trust the Lord in the deepest parts of our lives. Too often we as Christians like to stay in the shallows of things, have a little bit of an escape clause or, or, or a way of escape, or a plan of escape for ourselves. If something gets a little bit too tough, we can get out of the water as it were. It's a little harder when you go out into the deep. But the cry that Jesus gives to us as disciples is, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. I've got something for you in the deep. Amy Carmichael wrote this. She said, God always answers us in the deeps, never in the shallows of our souls launch out into the deep. Take true steps of faith, because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But God sees it all. And when God calls us to something, whether you know what's on the other side or not, when God calls us to something, There will always be the promise, after the command, launch out, drop your net, bring in your catch. That's the best for us as believers.